and welcome to this special Christmas edition of The Dirt in association with the National Trust. This is the podcast that still sees imperfect veg as perfect. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Blake, Laura's co-host. Keep listening to find out how to get 10% off everything on the National Trust's online shop and we'll also have some festive chit-chat with our colleague Natalie. But first, let's head to the Big Garden Clinic with Simon Toomer from the National Trust. Hi, Simon. Hi, Blake. Hi, Laura. Hello. Hi. How are things in your garden today? It's it's good. It's just shutting down. I've got a few things still in flower. I've just got some nice um, anemones, Japanese anemones still in flower. And um, yeah, but it's it's looking okay. Keeping on top of the weeds. That's the main thing at this time of year, isn't it? It's just don't let those weeds break through too much. Um just stay on top of them. Exactly. Particularly with all this mild weather we're beginning, we get these days. Yeah. Well, I have to admit, I looked out of the window earlier and thought, oh, that bed still looks quite, quite healthy and green. Went out there to have a look. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently I've just let a forest of weeds come up in there. So I think I know what I'm doing after work today. (laughs) Herb Robert's my favorite plant in my garden, I think almost. (laughs) So we will dive straight into the Big Garden Clinic and we'll start with a question that's come in on Facebook. And the question is, I'm getting a minaret plum tree sometime this month. How can I make sure it thrives? I'll be planting into the ground on the east facing side of a hill. Right. So yeah, min- minarets are very similar to, to cordons. Um, so they come in sometimes in apples and other and, and plums in this case, um, and they're generally speaking, they're 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 normally supplied bare rooted. So as with all bare rooted plants, some, there's there's a bit more bit more care need before they're planted. I'm I'm actually a great fan of bare rooted plants. Um, I think they're they're really good, but they do need they do need a bit of bit of extra love and care, really, mm-hmm. particularly in that time before you plant them. Um, if the, if if this one's arriving by by mail or whatever uh it's usually often the way it's done these days um if it's unless you're going to plant it immediately really you need to look after it make sure it doesn't the roots don't dry out if it's going to be a week or so i definitely heal it in in preparation and then all the all the normal things about planting bare-rooted trees one of the things i often find with people um when they're planting bare-rooted plants is they, they particularly trees and shrubs is they they tend to put them too deep into the soil Mm -hmm. um they really don't like that and and very often i go back and look at plants that were planted two or three years before and people say to me it's just not thriving and when you when you sort of delve around in the soil you'll find that the root collar you know that that place where the the soil level should be is sort of three or four inches below the surface Mm -hmm. and that's really not good so be careful with that Um, a little bit of mulch maybe uh, an inch or two of mulch not, not too much again is is really good for 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 all trees and shrubs um, to suppress weeds. If you're planting it through the winter, they, they, you don't need some water really, as long as the soil's damp because the tree's not growing. But but minarets, um, really, the, the 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 biggest challenge with minarets is is you know the the ongoing pruning regime. You know that minarets are normally quite column shaped. Well, they are. They're column shaped, and the 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 challenge is to keep them to about somewhere between two and two and a half meters ish sort of height um but to manage both the 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 the, the top growth so the, the the leader shoot cutting that back quite regularly usually starting in late spring or early summer but also managing the side shoots so that you get good 
fruiting levels. Um, so that's really, and, and you know, in, in, a, in a podcast, it's, it's different like this. It's very difficult to give that kind of level of detail. Mm-hmm. But I, I would just advise this person to, you know, um, look in, look in a, a, a fruit pruning book. Um, it's not that difficult, but it needs you need to keep on top of it and do it at the right time of year is really critical. And um, you mentioned getting the tree in the ground over winter. Is there anything if um, if the listener came to get the tree in the ground and found that the ground was frozen? Is there anything that they can do to keep the tree happy and healthy before it goes into the ground? Yeah, I mean the important thing is really is 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 the tree doesn't get warmed up, so it's no good bringing it into a warm house. Uh, but the, the 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 critical thing is not allowing the roots to dry out mm. you know the, the the very fine roots can desiccate and and die very quickly so normally if if you're going to hold onto a tree for a little while before planting it heal it in but if the soil is frozen then you need to you know you, you need to improvise a bit and you might have some you might be able to um uh, keep keep the tree in a frost free shed or an outbuilding or something it needs to be cool but not frozen and you can and and, and usually the tree will have arrived with its roots wrapped, so leave them wrapped for you know, and, and you can you can leave them like that for a few days um, until you get a frost-free um, time, and and then heal them in properly so that they're you know quite well into the ground, or mm. plant them. You know, ideally plant them if you if you're ready to plant when the when the when the tree arrives. I did that with a hornbeam hedge um, a few years ago in my gardens. Uh, you know, I'd ordered about ten small hornbeam plants, and I just made sure that I knew when it was going to, when they were going to arrive, mm. and that the site was ready. And luckily, it wasn't frozen, and so um, you know, I didn't have that intermediate time. I just put them straight into the ground. Yeah, I think it's good to know that if it does arrive and you can't get them straight in, that you don't have to panic too much. You can just kind of hold off and wait for the first opportunity to to get them in the ground. Absolutely, yeah. And foresters do this all the time. You know, where they're dealing with. Um, you know, bare rooted trees that, you know, that they have holding places where they can keep things for a few days. Yeah. Um. So the second question we've got for you this week is from David via email. And uh, he said, I would like to do some companion planting next year to help get on top of pests. Are there any multi-purpose flowers that are a must to include dotted around all areas of the plot? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, in the National Trust, in many of our gardens, we use companion planting as part of overall um, integrated pest management um, you know, we, we, we have quite um, quite a well-developed plant health procedures for our gardens some of that's biosecurity but but we're always aware of the, the importance also of these kind of these kind of approaches mm-hmm. um, most companion plants are effective because they are quite strongly scented um, and therefore they confuse and, and, and disrupt the, the, the pests. You know, either, either they're, they're sacrificial plants, so they're actually attracting some of the pathogens onto them, or they just confuse the plants. I, I always think companion plants are particularly, particularly useful when they're not just pretty and they're not, you know, but, but they're also useful because um, you don't really want to fill up limited limited amount of space with mm-hmm. with plants that you know you can't use. So um, if they can have that multifunction, that's um, that's really great as well, isn't it? So some plants, yeah, um, things like nasturtiums um, would come into that because they're they're quite useful. I, I, I noticed a lot of they seem to be becoming more fashionable again for cooking with. Um, I yeah. personally don't yes. like nasturtiums very much. And then there's all those 
really long-standing popular ones like marigolds and borage and even horseradish and chamomile. Mm. Um, fennel's another useful one because you can use that one in cooking as well, uh, strongly scented. And um, lavender too. Lavender's, lavender makes a good um, companion plant but um and then distributing them through the you know through your your plot so that um so you would kind of interplant them in amongst all of your vegetables rather than say having a border full of these flowers and plants um you would want them nearby exactly and, and very often people people have a you know knowing which of your plants are particularly susceptible to some of the pests you know um, brassicas particularly you know and, and having them dotted around and that can be done with a, with an eye to the aesthetic as as well as you know the function, but um, yeah, so that's the idea. Yeah, and and if you can integrate them into a into an overall um, scheme of of um, crop rotation as well, you know that's that's even better. Yeah, that's really great. Um, so moving on to our final question, and obviously we couldn't let a podcast going out in December pass without a little bit of a festive mention. <laughs> so. This question has come in from Sophie via email and she has asked, I'd like to grow spuds for the Christmas table next year. Are there any particular varieties you'd recommend? Ideally, they would be grown in potato bags on the patio. Right. So I assume Sophie's talking about um, uh, delayed new potatoes. Um, People always used to, well, I used to anyway, think of Christmas dinner as it was roast spuds, but more and more these days people actually like new potatoes. So um, new potato, new potatoes for Christmas, it always, always sounds an odd thing, doesn't it? But they're really just potato, new potatoes that are then held back. So they'll be refrigerated until they're planted later on in the year in the summer. And you can either do that yourself by by holding them back in in a cold place but most often it's much more practical if you buy them from somebody uh, who supplies late new potatoes sounds a bit odd doesn't it that um <laughs> so you you'd be you'd be you'd be planting them in june july time um and you can you can plant them in in bags the the, the main challenge really is that if you're going to be growing them from summer right the way up to the middle of the winter and then harvesting them then is the, the problem if you're particularly if you're growing them in bags is frost um you know potatoes don't like frost getting right mm. into mm. the ground so you've got you've got that challenge and it's why some people would grow them you know in, in polytunnels or glass houses um but varieties they're, the, they're actually the, the the varieties are the ones you often see as new potatoes in the supermarkets. So they're things like um, um, Charlotte. Charlotte's one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Maris Pier is another great one, isn't it? Carlingford. So, but 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 as I say, that the, the main thing is if you're growing them in bags, is is to is to keep them out of the frost. And is there is there an easy way to do that? I normally try and just cover mine up more at the start of the year when the first frosts are coming in if they've come up too soon with a with a plant pot or something like that so is that what you would recommend for, for this yeah. time of the year as well yeah i think i think you know you if if unless you've got the luxury of having a polytunnel or a greenhouse yeah that that's the case and, and you may have to sort of keep on taking things in and out and looking carefully at the weather forecast well most of us gardeners are quite used to doing that anyway aren't we so mm. um yeah so so but i think the important thing is you, you you're aware of that risk and um yeah, you can either cover them up or, or um, you know, put a fleece over them, or, or, or even, um, you know, or even uh, take more the, the sort of trying to trying to protect them from the frost below 
ground, as it were, in the, within the bag by yeah. by covering them up with sacking or something. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. you know, that's a bit more labour intensive. But but yeah, it's it's very disappointing if you've got your your potatoes right the way through to November yes. or early December, <laughs> and, then, and then you get them frosted. Then so uh, it's a little bit yeah, of work. But imagine yeah. how good you're going to feel on Christmas Day when you're when tucking you're into those spuds that you grew yourself. Absolutely, so. what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing. Um, you also mentioned the classic roast potato there. So are there any varieties for roasties that you would particularly recommend? Well, I, I'm probably quite conservative when it comes down to the old-fashioned sort of main main crop potatoes for roasting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I go for things like King Edward and uh, Maris Piper, mm-hmm. really, and sometimes Desiree. But uh, yeah, those are, those are the potatoes I love. Um, you know, they are such great things. Christmas is about tradition and um, yeah, old yeah, varieties are fantastic. I think when you when you land on one that you know is going to just come up trumps as well, uh, you know, mm. tried and tested, then you don't really need to always change the variety, do you? Quite right. No, I think a blend of tradition and something new is 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 the, is the way to go. It's making me all excited for Christmas dinner now. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much Simon for um, joining us this series and sharing all of your expertise it's been brilliant I've been making frantic notes all every time we've done this I've been learning lots of new things as well so it's been really useful um, having you on thank you yeah it's been really great and Blake let's grab Natalie a glass of something mulled and have a good chat yeah let's do that This mini-series of The Dirt is in association with the National Trust. The National Trust is a conservation charity founded in 1895 by three people, Octavia Hill, Sir Robert Hunter and Hardwick Rawnsley, who saw the importance of the nation's heritage and open spaces and wanted to preserve them for everyone to enjoy. This year, the charity celebrates its 125th anniversary and these values are still at the heart of everything it does. To help mark this significant moment in its history, the Trust has committed to achieving a net zero carbon emissions by 2030 and establishing 20 million trees to help tackle climate change. Entirely independent of the government, the National Trust looks after more than 250,000 hectares of countryside, 780 miles of coastline and hundreds of special places all across England, Wales and Northern Ireland. As Europe's largest conservation charity, the National Trust receives around 27 million visits each year to the places it cares for that have an entry fee, and an estimated 100 million visits to the outdoor places looked after by the charity. Together with 5.6 million members and more than 65,000 volunteers, these visitors help to support the conservation charity in its vital work. The National Trust is delighted to offer the Dirt listeners a 10% discount on its online shop where you'll find loads of gardening tools and accessories as well as books, stationery, clothes, toys, food and drink and much more. Simply use the code NTGROW10 at the checkout when you visit nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash shop until the end of the year. That's N-T-G-R-O-W-1-0. And you can check out the episode notes for full details and terms. All income generated through the online shop supports the work the National Trust does to care for nature, beauty and history. For everyone, forever. 
Hello, Blake. Hello, Natalie. It is nearly Christmas. Hey. Or should we actually be going ho ho ho? Yes. Yeah. Ho, 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 ho. That was a terrible ho, but it was it was an upbeat <laughs> ho. Well, <laughs> before we crack on with our festivities, I would just like to say that the dirt has been given a fantastic early Christmas present. Drum roll, drum roll. I think you know what I'm going to say. The dirt. <laughs> is now an award-winning podcast. Hello, podcast of the year. Hello, podcast (laughs) of the year. Yes. Oh, it's such fantastic news. Congratulations to you both. This is very exciting, and we will be spamming our social media accounts with trophy pictures, trophy in tinsel pictures, trophy (laughs) with Christmas lights around it pictures. (laughs) So just so the listener is fully aware and can celebrate along with you, What is the full title of the award that you guys have won? This is the PPA Scottish Magazine Awards of 2020 and the category was Podcast of the Year. Yay! Right, have you got your Oscar speech ready? Do you want to give that now or or later? (laughs) (laughs) Who are we going to thank, Laura? (laughs) Maybe we'll come back after some mulled wine and do that. Yes! Well, we've always joked that we're trying to get you both on Strictly. So I feel yes. like this is one step closer to the to the sequence. I think next year might be the year. Yeah. Do you reckon? Any Strictly producers listening? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to start practicing your cha-cha? Yes, and my fleckle. Is that a dance, the cha-cha? <laughs> yeah, getting my rumba hips going. <laughs> the rumba hips. Brilliant. Can I just, a uh, small confession, I have never watched Strictly ever. <gasps> Well, Natalie. you're going to watch it when we're on it, aren't you? Obviously, <laughs> obviously, when you guys are on it, I will be cheering until my voice is hoarse. But yeah, I never watch it. <laughs> Just that's another one, BBC. That's an extra viewer. If uh, if you get us on, there you go. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. Boost those ratings right up. But yeah, I think I think you're getting ever closer. But congratulations to you both. It's an amazing award to win. I'm so proud oh, of you. It has been. Are we an award-winning podcast? Sorry, can we just say? <laughs> Award-winning. Yeah. Award-winning. Yeah. Say it out We're loud. an award-winning, award-winning podcast. podcast. Oh, maybe we should have put that in our intro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome to the award-winning podcast. <laughs> I'm not saying it's gone to my head, but I am wearing sunglasses to the supermarket now, <laughs> just in case. I'm going to have to listen back to all of your records now to make sure that you're not just dropping it in random yeah. conversation. Award-winning yes. podcast? Uh, award-winning podcast. Well, I think No, we but might. it's brilliant. It's fantastic news. Um, I suppose we should probably bring this back around to Christmas in the garden. Yeah. So I was just wondering, have either of you grown anything for your Christmas dinner this year or have grown anything that you're giving to people as gifts this year? I know that Natalie's going to have some great, answers for this and a long list and my answer is no I was really unorganized and I didn't and I'm just really regretting it now I just want some Christmas potatoes so confession to make I've eaten all of my Christmas veg already oh, no. <laughs> so we had a massive potato harvest we had a really good carrot harvest I had kohlrabi I had malabar spinach and we froze loads of it actually and kale um, and cavolo nero we froze it all Um, And then throughout the year, I've just been slowly chipping away at it to the point where I checked the freezer last week and realized I have no carrots left for Christmas dinner. So I've munched my way through too early. So next year, I need to make a mental note. Maybe I need to have a special part of the freezer, like a Christmas freezer to make sure. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> but also I really love parsnips and I didn't grow any this year because I know they're notoriously difficult, aren't mm. they, to get the seeds to germinate. So I thought I might try that next year to see if I can break into the Christmas dinner yes. <laughs> um, veg with my parsnips. Parsnips, that kind of veg that I would never eat at any other time, but on Christmas Day, yeah, happily they're essential. munch down on some. Do you not like a parsnip soup? I thought that'd be well up your street, Blake. I've never really had parsnip soup, no. More of a <gasps> carrot and coriander kind of guy. Uh. Are you with your rumba hips? I'm going <laughs> to send you a link to a parsnip soup recipe. I think it will change okay. your life. Uh, <laughs> yes. Can't wait. So have you grown anything, Laura? Um, no, <laughs> because my, well, my, um, my garden isn't enormous. So I haven't done any of the big veg. I, and the same that Blake said, I did want to do some potatoes in bags this year, but time ran away with me. And, um, but obviously my dad has the, the Christmas spuds at his allotment and parsnips and carrots and We all sprouts. know about Henry's potatoes. Are we all sprout lovers here or not? Yes. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Excellent. So does your, does your dad grow sprouts every year? um he usually does I can't remember if he did last year it might have been the thing that you said last year actually that he had some and then they were gone by Christmas but um he does normally grow them because that's something again I'd like to try just, what puts me off slightly is I know that they have to be in the ground for such a long yeah. time yeah it's a it's a hugely long period isn't it where mm. you grow them and um, that puts me off because I like to have quite a quick over what am I trying to say? Overturn? Yeah. Change turnover. Yeah. Turnover. What what happened to my <laughs> brain just then? I like to have quite a quick turnover of my crops. So when I have to dedicate something like that into one part of my bed, I feel like I'm not getting the most out of the garden or out of the allotment. And um, so I'm trying to weigh that up. I would also say that considering, as you say, the time they're in the ground and the space that they take up, if you get any pest attacks or anything and you have one of the years where they're like tiny little eaten hard buttons, then <laughs> it's quite a lot of space and time for something that, you know, if you're if you're not sure it's going to go well. I quite like those little button smaller sprouts oh well there you go henry <laughs> give blake your tiny tiny sprouts <laughs> yeah but um you've got an outlet so yeah i haven't grown anything that's like big for christmas dinner but my one of my favorite things to do each year is to make um chili jam chili jelly whatever you want to call it um nigella's recipe if anyone's wondering nice um and that's always a really nice way of using up any leftover chilies and it's a nice little thing to sort of give to people that love a good cheese board or a bacon sarni that you can put it in didn't we talk about this last year we probably and did. didn't we say you were going to create different jams of different heats <laughs> and we were going to have a chili we, we did say, say this and i had oh. forgotten so i'll have to write that down somewhere and we can actually do it next year well it's because we're not together at the minute isn't it yeah. maybe next year when we're in the office together then we can have a live tasting i did also want to do infused alcohols this year but I didn't get around to it in time so that's another thing that I'm gonna push around to next year. <laughs> oh have you got a crab apple tree? I don't have a crab apple tree. Okay could you get your hands on some crab I apples? I could get my hands on some crab apples. I have a crab <laughs> apple pusher. <laughs> <laughs> weird weird sentence. I love it though. So every year we do crab apple whiskey. Oh, and it nice. is a joy. Mm. Also, I would like to say that I have termed it magic juice because I have drunk quite a lot of it and then did not get a hangover the next day. Oh. So it is 
fantastic for New Year's Eve. Excellent. <laughs> uh, but it's brilliant. It's just, um, it's an Abel and Cole recipe, actually. Mm. And it's a little bit of cinnamon, a bit of ginger, or you can do either or, crab apples. Some I put honey in, but I think they put sugar in. Mm. Um, and then a big bottle of whatever whiskey you can get your hands on and loads and loads of crab apples. I think it's 750 grams and you do nice. have to half them. Um, but it is brilliant it is so good and it's a lovely thing to make for people for christmas gifts mm. if you don't want to drink it all yourself which you know i would not judge you for i would definitely give that a try yeah. i would definitely everyone loves that. a homemade gift as well i'm not the sort of person that makes them myself but when i've received them i'm like like my friend um made me slow gin last year which mm. was delicious and just knowing that somebody's gone to the effort of taking the time to do that I think is always lovely oh I think that's a really nice gift on the subject of receiving gifts what would you like horticultural Santa to bring you this year oh Blake you go first because I have a ridiculously long list I need a new pair of gardening gloves Mm. um actually my gardening gloves are getting a bit ropey are they so I would love a new pair please have you got your eyes on a special pair I don't mind too much I just like them to be reasonably well fitted um size medium if anybody's listening (laughs) (laughs) you know I don't want them to be too baggy because then you can't really do stuff in the garden you want them to be kind of quite tight fitting Mm. yeah I've got some really good ones which are basic like they're very very tight fitting on one side they're rubberized on the other side it's like a mesh material Mm. that's exactly like the ones that I had but they've just sort of started to get holes in them now so they definitely need to be replaced they're so good they're like a second skin yes (laughs) and then you're not like fumbling around with these ridiculous like washing up gloves no that's it yeah oh nice that's quite an achievable present I mean if you don't get given that for Christmas you could do a little bit of self-gifting in the Boxing Day sales also that's the kind of thing where if more than one person gets it for you it's like well that's good because I can you know leave one outside have one here one in the greenhouse like you know you can't have too many can you so this is true Uh, this is very true well my uh, <laughs> my Christmas list, the top of my Christmas list was a pair of secateurs. However, this was because I lost my secateurs down the allotment. And you know when you lose, and they were a really nice pair and I absolutely mm. love them, and you beat yourself up for weeks afterwards about where you've put them. So we emptied out our hot bin a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> secateurs were at the bottom of there. <laughs> I don't know how oh. I managed that. I must have been chopping up something and then just thought, oh yeah, they can go in there now. I'll just drop them in. So yeah, so I've managed to unearth those, quite literally unearth. Um, <laughs> so Secretaries has been taken off the list. I bet you were thrilled when you found them as well. <laughs> I was. I was so thrilled. <laughs> so, so thrilled because I was so annoyed at myself. I hate that feeling when yeah. you've got something. Um, but my my garden list is really really boring. It's not it's not as sexy as garden gloves. It's things like some scaffold boards because I need to repair some of my veg beds, mm. and I really want um, oh I've forgotten what it's called now, Corten um, steel. You know um, it's like a crisscross grid um, of steel rods and they use them to reinforce concrete I think right um, and I want them to support my dahlias 
I think it's Corten steel. Oh. But um, that's what I have asked for as well. Oh, <laughs> so, it's an unusual yeah. list. <laughs> really, yeah. So just go to TPs. Uh, whoever's listening, just put me in an order. That would be great. So yeah, oh. and then um, I want to grow some interesting things next year. Um, but I haven't actually delved into the unusual um, plant list yet. So I thought in this episode, you both could challenge me to grow something <gasps> exotic. Yeah, my allotment. So I'm giving you free range. What should I grow? Oh, do you know what I think you should grow? Because I tried to grow these in a pot um, and d- just didn't have any success with them. Uh, soya beans, obviously. <gasps> yes. You don't get that much off of them, but that is a good shout. I just love those. Like you know, like the edamame beans that you get if you go to a Japanese restaurant and you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those. Okay. So yeah. tell me how you failed so then I can learn from yeah. you. Um I think probably they should have shouldn't have just been in a container. I don't think they really had the room to spread out and oh, stuff okay. maybe. Um okay. they grow quite reasonably tall so you're probably going to need to stake them to hold them up. Okay, that's where the core 10 steel comes in, love. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're prepared for that. Yeah. Um and then the other thing that I found was I got a few little pods coming on them but they just weren't fattening up. So I don't know maybe a bit more feed. I'm not sure something to just give them that little booster. I'm I'm doing a Google right now. Are you so doing I- a Google? Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing a yeah. Google. Uh, because I'm not going to lie to you, my history with beans and peas it is not great. I don't have a great track record, so this is going to be a challenge. <laughs> my other challenge for myself was to actually grow more than seven peas next year. Because <laughs> you did really well. How come, so you do really well with peas. How how come the soya beans didn't come off? I, I'm not sure. I didn't try them this year. That was last year. So um, okay. I... I was maybe a younger, less experienced grower yeah, at that wise. point. Exactly. Mm, okay. Learn each year, don't you? So maybe, yeah, maybe I just need to try again. Okay, for you, I will grow soya beans. Yes. Laura, do you have a do you have a request slash challenge? Please um, be kind. Well, I was going to say chickpeas, but I feel like they're probably too similar. So please, can we break out of the pea <laughs> pea and bean, please? <laughs> have you ever grown? Okra, okra, however you want to say it. <gasps> no, I haven't. And then you could make your own lady fingers to go with the curry. Yes. And they, um, okra really thickens up things. It's a thickening agent, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which is great for anything that I cook because uh, <laughs> everything I cook is like a watery mess. <laughs> so this could really help me. Oh, I'm Googling okra plant right now. Okay, so they both have quite a similar kind of growing tendency-ish. They look quite compact is what I mean, both the soya bean. I always imagined that okra was a bit like growing cucumbers, but I don't know. Am I making No, it looks ever so slightly like celery, like the leaves. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Okay, right. I'm on it. Okra. Yeah. Okra and soya beans for next year. This is so exciting. So sort of thinking about next year, I know that Natalie, you were going to ask us and we in turn will ask you for the 2021 gardening new year's resolutions yes okay so i'll kick off with mine so my first one is one that you have just mentioned i think growing potatoes in a bag yes so you did you mean to do that this year or last year and then didn't um no i was going to do it and then i just didn't get around to it but blake i don't you've done it before haven't you yeah, I did do it and it was so successful. Really? I got this um like mesh 
potato. It was it was a potato growing sack thing, and um, and they grew amazingly well. I was just astounded by how many I got from it. Oh, okay. I'm really excited now. So obviously, I've grown them in the ground as well, and I found this was far better, I guess, because it's growing in compost, but. Yeah, just loads and loads and loads. And it's so much fun because you don't lose any. You know, when you're digging around in the ground you're like, and then like next year, one starts sprouting because you didn't find it. Well, with this, you do find them all because you can just rummage through the container or the bag that you've got. Just them. to rewind, one, you leave one in the ground. Well, oh, my okay, God. <laughs> we, had, we had about 50. <laughs> I don't know how you are supposed to get them out of the soil. No. They are like tiny little bombs. <laughs> I don't understand. You would have to sieve the soil to get them all out one was growing up for the lawn this year and it's like (laughs) how long has that been under that ground because that's been lawn for about five years (laughs) amazing okay so potatoes in a bag is my first one i've got four in total my next one is i have never managed to grow kale without white fly all over it and i don't know i've got I've invested in like proper mesh for it this year. Um, I don't spray anything um, because I try to grow organic. However, I think I've read that using garlic spray may help. So I'm going to try that next year because it's a bit unappetizing every time I clicked off a bit of kale, about 400 white flies just dance into the air in front of me. And then you think when, (laughs) when I cook them and then I drain the water, it's just like white fly graveyard <laughs> it's just horrible oh. so uh, so yeah that's my next one um my final one will come as no surprise which is to finally grow successful peas because yes yeah, it will be the year Natalie. it will be it the will year. be the year just recap blake give me your top tips one last time um I don't know whether I have any top tips. I feel like I just got lucky, to be honest, (laughs) which is really unhelpful, isn't it? But you know, when you're like, I don't know what I did right with this. It's just worked. I was growing them, literally just growing them in a planter on the wall. And so you'd think peas, traditionally, you'd grow them up stakes and you'd have, and they grow quite tall. But with these, they were just kind of overhanging and there were just pods everywhere. And it was like pea heaven. (sighs) I think it's because you were watering them really well. I think I am an unreliable waterer. Yeah, but you're you're going to the allotment, whereas mine is literally just out the back door. So it's quite it's easier to keep up a good regime, I think, for watering okay. if you're just literally having to step two steps out the back door, isn't it? Maybe I need to do that thing where you get a two litre bottle of lemonade or whatever. I was going to say that and put it upside yeah. down in the yeah. soil next to it. Yeah, because then you're at least, you're covered, aren't you? And you, you know you're getting down to the roots with that as well. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think you, you pierce the cap, don't you, a, a couple of times so yeah. that it's a slow trickle and then just fill the whole bottle up with two litres of water, leave it, and then it should just directly water the, ro- the roots for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, okay. Yeah. That would be my plan. I'll keep you updated on You're that. right. Watering was a good part of it. Now I, I remember. I've kind of <laughs> just forgotten <laughs> everything that happened luck. in the summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then my last, last one is I need to garden more in the evenings. I need to go to the allotment yes. more in the evenings because I tend to save it all up to the weekends. Yeah. Um, and because when you get home from work, or at least when I do. I was going to say, when we go back to the office, is that going to be difficult? Because it is, you know, I know when I get back from the office, I'm like, right, now I'm going to lie down on the sofa. <laughs> yes, like, exactly. Usually I've had a fairly traumatic train delay episode <laughs> before I get home. Um, so I end up just getting in and then stuffing my face with dinner. And then I forget all about going down to the allotment. But I need to prioritize it. And what I'm going to do is pack myself little dinner 
packed lunches. So when I walk through the back door, I pick those up from the fridge and I go straight down to the allotment because I feel like doing an hour or two hours a week, just Monday to Friday mm. and then doing a top up at the weekends would make such yeah. a difference. Yeah. Um, so that those are my resolutions. Potatoes in a bag, get rid of the white fly. I don't want to be eating white fly soup anymore. <laughs> Finally, grow successful peas and to garden in the evening. Those so tell great. me yours. What about you, Laura? Um, well, I have a main one, really, that you can probably guess the theme from how many times I've said, oh, I didn't get around to that. That because obviously on the magazine, we work a couple of months ahead of real time. It does sometimes mean that I can't remember where we are in the actual year. And it feels like you're waiting for such a long time for the right time to do things to come around. And then suddenly you blink and it's gone. So I think my main resolution is remember where we are in real time yep. and act upon that time scale because I think it's so easy to think time flies around, but equally because we're so far ahead on the magazine, you don't feel like it's the right time to do things because it's not what you're writing about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then you sort of remember. Do you know what you need actually, to do? What's that? You need to put your grow your own wall planner up on the wall. I do. <laughs> I shall do that. That is an excellent Free idea. with your easy veg garden. Yes. Out early January. Go pick it up right now. And the February issue of Grow Your Own. I love that wall planner as well. It's so handy. It's just like. It is. Because it just keeps you in check. Yeah. Exactly. Laura, you need to I need practice to do what you that. preach. Get that I will stuck do that. up. Yeah. I will get that stuck up and I will get around to all the things I want to do. <laughs> and I think actually have a proper plan because I'm very guilty of being one of those sort of fly by the seat of your pants kind of gardeners. Whereas I think actually if I want to get things done, schedule them in and make sure they get done. Do you keep like a garden diary or anything, Laura? I don't, but I think that would be a really good idea because I think that would definitely help. Because then you can look back over the years and find out, you know, when you planted out stuff, what worked and what didn't. That's yeah. what yeah. I do or this I try to. That actually is mine. It's to be organised enough to keep track of things. Um, as you say, things when they work, like I was just saying about the peas, I'm like, this went really well, but then I don't know how I'm going to replicate that again next year because I wasn't really keeping track mm. of what I was doing that yeah. well. So I think mm. this year I do want to have a diary, well, I do keep a diary anyway, but I want to be better at writing in things as I do them. So I know exactly when I did mm. them. And if something goes really well and I notice that, then I can jot that down as well. But the second thing is that I want to organize my packets of seeds because yeah. it's just a free for all. And I want to, I need to go through them and check off anything that's gone out of date maybe um and yeah and just maybe get them in a nice little alphabetical filing system oh well, i have i've got a seed system for you which i really like um it might not work for you but it's perfect for me so i have little wooden um clothes pegs i nicked 12 of them from our laundry basket oh. i wrote on the side of each clothes peg the month and then i pegged together the seeds that i needed to sow for each of those oh, I think oh you've told me this goodness. before yeah that, that is, is such an amazing that's actually a better way of doing it than alphabetical isn't it yeah then you know what, what to get out when. Exactly. I've had it in alphabetical order for the last couple of years and it makes no sense to do it that mm. way. I mean, it looks great, obviously. If you're a little bit OCD, I'm sure that that would really appeal. <laughs> but if you actually need to know what you have to sew right there and then, that could help you as well, Laura, yeah. with, um, with knowing, that is absolutely knowing uh, where you are. <laughs> no, that's such a good idea. And it's just so cheap and easy. You've got the pegs already. Yeah. Just get cracking. Definitely. Well, yes, those all sound like very good New Year's resolutions and I suppose we should get back to it. But before we do, 
I think we should raise a glass of something mulled and say, first of all, thank you so much to all the listeners of The Dirt for joining us this year. None of this would be possible without you. So thank you very much. And also to Blake and Natalie, the rest of the Grow Your Own team and the listeners, wishing you a very, very Merry Christmas. Merry Merry Christmas, Christmas. If you squeezed in a sowing of tender green manures in autumn, they'll be knocked back by the frost and ready for digging into the plot this month. Compost bins are often fully loaded come autumn. Turn them over now to continue the decomposition process, insulating them with a cardboard lid. Also, use this quiet period to draw up a crop rotation plan for the growing season ahead. You don't need to tie yourself in knots over it, but do try to ensure different veg follow on from each other in each location of your plot. It can give you less problems next year. Thanks again to Simon for giving us some super useful gardening pointers. And until next time, from all of us at The Dirt, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to this mini series of The Dirt. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to spread the word at your allotment site. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number seven, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GPOD7 to receive seven issues of Grow Your Own straight to your door for just $29.99. That's a saving of $11.94. Every issue is packed with gardening advice, expert tips and tricks and jobs to tick off your list. And each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And a final exciting note, keep an eye on our social media platforms to see the questions we'll be discussing in next episode's What on Earth section. Reply with your answers and you could appear on the show. The weirder and wackier the better.